Welcome to Twilio's Patient Experience podcast series. This is the third and final episode of the series. I'm Patty Inrata with HIMSS, and I'm with Susan Collins, Global Head of Healthcare Services at Twilio. Welcome, Susan. Thanks so much for having me. So today we're going to talk about consumerization and the patient experience. My first question, Susan, is the word for consumerization has been used a lot. What does this actually mean for healthcare? You know, it's a great question, and I think it depends on who you ask. Uh, probably it, it is a very broad term, probably. Uh, the way we think about consumerization tends to be about experience, right? What, what sort of uh, experience do we have in a healthcare setting? And, and often there's, a, there's an element of comparison to other industries. How does my experience in a, in a hospital, for example, compare to my experience at a retail establishment or a hotel or in a travel environment, something like that? And I think that the notion of consumerization kind of implies, I think, the, uh, the idea that we are catering in some fashion to this stakeholder, right? And we know that within healthcare, there are many stakeholders, consumers, who we call patients often, uh, being one of those, but not the only const- uh, constituent that we, we have to cater to. So how does consumerization change when thinking from the patient perspective to the provider perspective? So I think you have to consider both sides of that coin um, without question. And, and we saw that during COVID, uh, you know, really, really clearly where we had a big pivot uh, in many cases to telehealth, for example. And, you know, we, we have a bit of a history in healthcare of, uh, at least on the administrative side of the business, imposing technology on our providers here's your brand new shiny system of record. This is how you'll be doing, uh, you know, your work. And, you know, that's great. And medicine's an art. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, here's the workflow. It becomes very difficult to scale solutions that are not efficient for sort of both parties, if you like, right? So on the consumer side of things, all of a sudden saying to a patient, well, okay, we have this great telehealth solution. Since you can't or won't come and see us face-to-face, we can deliver care more conveniently to you in your home, as an example. Uh, but here's this download. Uh, you know, you need to, to download this app. And, you know, sometimes it's a little complicated getting the technology to work. And then on the provider side of things, if it, that's not an integrated experience and something that works reasonably efficiently for them as part of their workflow, it can be very problematic as well. So I think the notion of designing the experience for all the different stakeholders is really important. And that tends to be what supports a good consumer experience, if you like. How has the pandemic changed the way patients want to interact with their doctors? Well, I think uh, certainly we've seen, you know, again, telehealth, the very obvious example, but for sure not the only one. It's coming a lot closer to the experience that we have with the other institutions and services that we access in every other aspect of our lives, right? So we, we of course, are known for our SMS and we see a lot of different use cases now over and above what was sort of maybe the traditional appointment reminder or something of that nature, you know, prescription refill reminder or something like that to where it's becoming much more of a conversation, much more of an organic discussion between the patients and the providers. And I think you'll see additional uh, efforts and innovation around a really omni-channel experience and really being able to understand the preferences of both parties to those conversations. What channels do they use? What do they prefer? What sort of schedule of communication works best? And it'll be much less transactional, which I think is a good thing. So the healthcare landscape is changing you know, with new disruptors coming into the space. So what do you think traditional healthcare organizations can learn from them? You know, I think the notion of a traditional healthcare organization is a, is a tough one these days. It would be hard to define that maybe. Many of our uh, maybe longstanding 
institutions that we think of as, uh, you know, kind of big uh, organizations that maybe in the past didn't move as swiftly uh, as, as maybe others did, have uh, been at the forefront often of innovation when it comes to things like digital front doors and really uh, embracing their community and providing a lot of public health service and messaging, uh, those kinds of things. And I think we all learn from each other, right? And we learn from both inside the industry and, and outside the industry as well. We had all sorts of technology innovation uh, in the last 12 or 14 months. You know, you think of all the Instacart and curbside delivery and, and all sorts of different, um, maybe I would call them improvements uh, to the way we're able to interact with those organizations and certainly the uh, healthcare organizations maybe of necessity. We're, we're very quick, I think, to pivot and, and adopt some of those technologies very effectively. And I think the notion that healthcare can't do that. Uh, you know, we've sort of busted that myth now, which is great. We've seen how quickly it's possible to implement technologies that allow us to adapt to circumstance. Great, so what can healthcare organizations do to keep building trust with their patients and not lose them to the new disruptors? Well, I think, you know, this is a relationship environment, right? There's really not very much that's more personal than your healthcare and the health of your family and the people that you love. And we um, have a lot of initiatives, right, that have been going on for a while, things like population health management, as an example, that really depend on having good communication and engagement between the providers and the patients that they're serving. And I think, you know, we'll see new and, and probably more convenient access both for patients and for providers. And I think that's really important to not leave the providers out of that equation as well and figure out how we've removed some of the friction in the business that makes it harder to have that human to human connection, which I think is so important. Uh, and we've, we've learned a lot right over the past year, you know, year and some months about how to do that in a way that fits into a reasonable workflow and doesn't sacrifice you know, all of sort of privacy and the security concerns, all of those things are table stakes in our, in our business. And I think that that will continue. It's really exciting to see the pace of change, actually. It is. So what's an example of a healthcare organization that you think is really taking the next steps in consumerization? Oh, there's so many. Uh, you know, we are very privileged uh, to serve many of these uh, healthcare institutions, right? And it, it seems like every day we we see a brand new shiny uh, project somewhere that kind of blows our minds, which is which is great fun and uh, something that we're very happy to support. Uh, you know, I would say NYU Langone has done some really amazing work. Again, you know, very technology forward organization. They're very adept at leveraging uh, technology to improve their business and the access. And then we see lots of interesting examples. Uh, Penn Medicine is another uh, example where they have really pioneered the use of technology and their behavioral phenotyping to figure out how to reach patients and change behaviors in a positive way, not in a paternalistic way, uh, but in a supportive way to, to combat things like uh, you know, vaccine hesitancy, right, is a big topic now, but they've also reached into their organization and they've done amazing work around, uh, for example, figuring out how to serve pregnant women, right, tend to be busy young moms uh, who may be at risk for preeclampsia. And that normally requires that you go into the hospital or into the clinic and get your blood pressure taken, right, it's hypertension, you know, multiple times through the course of your pregnancy, which is, you know, if Anyone who's been a young mom with a couple of kids in tow knows that that's not maybe an easy thing to fit into a day. And they were able to give them uh, a modestly priced blood pressure cuff 
and send them SMS a couple times a day and say, can you just send us a blood pressure reading? Much more convenient for the patient. Their adherence went through the roof and their patient satisfaction scores did too. So really lots of examples, I think, of, of really breakthrough type work in this space. Those are great examples. So how do you feel the concept of consumerization is innovating how providers think of care delivery and traditional payment models? Well, I think, you know, we're certainly seeing lots of, uh, lots of work around how we deliver care outside of the walls of the traditional delivery system. And, and I think that will certainly continue. And there are all sorts of good reasons for that. Uh, convenience and access being, you know, probably chief among them, but it's also typically a really good way to bend the cost curve. Right. If we're able to keep people well at home or we're able to monitor chronic conditions effectively without bringing people to, to some you know, hospital or clinic, as long as we can do that effectively, that's generally a, a great thing to do and, and something that makes the care accessible to a wider group of, of patients. Right, We think a lot about access and equity and those kinds of things. And I think the notion of being able to incorporate healthcare more into our daily lives, again, less transactional, more ambient maybe as a way to think about it so that we're able to influence behaviors in a way that's positive for everyone, keep people out of you know, the higher acuity situations, that would be ideal. So what should healthcare organizations keep in mind as they build solutions that are centered around value-based care? Well, I, you know, that's a big topic. I think there are a lot of considerations. Some of them are infrastructure related and you think about not having the technology be at the forefront, but having it be supportive of the initiatives and the goals of the organization and the folks that are being served by that organization. You know, it's sort of uh, necessary, but not sufficient, I would say. So we think about things like platforms as opposed to point solutions, right? Being able to pivot, like who knows what the next big thing is, right? I don't think any of us saw COVID coming and overnight that radically transformed the way we had to deliver care in our communities you know, a lot of the point solutions aren't ideally designed for that. They're designed for a very specific use case. So if you have platform capability, you're able to pivot probably um, more adroitly to handle whatever comes your way, or, or maybe you have a shift in your business strategy, something like that. And I think that's maybe what we're seeing in terms of a trend of people having fewer technologies, but having broader technologies that they can deploy effectively across the business. And the other thing I would say that's um, really critical, at least when it comes to communications, is the need to really orchestrate across the entire enterprise, the communications that go really to any constituency, but particularly to patients. So we see instances where the patient is getting an appointment reminder, to use a very simple example, uh, from the health system, right, from the physician office, and also maybe from the care manager uh, in a payer environment, right? And it gets very noisy. And that's a great way to get a patient to turn you off. Great. So I feel like the takeaway here, Susan, from our discussion is that um, in the healthcare industry, transformation usually means, you know, it's going to take a long time. You know, there's this evolution that happens. Um, you know, if we think about uh, EHR and the EMR uh, deployment, uh, you know, sort of the resistance to that and everything. But uh, one thing that COVID-19 taught us is that, you know, actually the healthcare industry can adapt very quickly, you know, that the, the innovation is possible in a short period of time. So, you know, I, I feel like that that's, you know, the message that uh, that we've learned from COVID-19 and, and which, you know, you've talked about, you know, in, in our discussion here. So thank you, Susan, so much for your time. Oh, it's a pleasure. I enjoyed it.